Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn of the 5, touchdown Raiders! The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Demond Cotton, your boy Q, live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Of course, you could always chime in on the phone lines at 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187, keyword RNR. Joining us now on the phone lines as we kick off hour number two is our good friend Derek Schultz, ISC Sportsnet. And Derek, it's been a minute, man. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And now uh, there's a new coach there. There's a new coach in uh, in Indy. How are you feeling about uh, Coach Steichen and, and what he's going to do with the uh, with the Indianapolis Colts? I think the fans are excited as they always are. Q. Whenever you get a, a new coach, hope springs eternal, right? Um, <laughs> right. You know, you know, you know that with your Raiders. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. I think the problem for Colts fans is that they are losing patience. Uh, it is one thing to be down. For a year or two, uh, it's even one thing to be down for three or four years. But if you go back to the infamous Deflategate game in New England, the AFC Championship game in 2014, the Colts have won one playoff game since then. They have won the NFL's worst division zero times since then. And I know last year's team bottomed out into the 4-12-1 range, and now is going to be picking fourth in the draft. But generally speaking, the Colts have been caught in that seven, eight, nine win range. And, and in the NFL, that's really not where you want to be. So this is a big offseason, new head coach and presumably a new quarterback coming in as well. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and Coach Steichen, of course, he's a UNLV alum. He was a quarterback at UNLV, uh, the first one to get the head coaching job in any ranks in the NFL. But uh, as far as the, the style of offense, he comes from Philadelphia and what the Eagles were able to do last year with Jalen Hurts. Do you expect to see a lot of that kind of offense uh, implemented into what the Colts are going to do this upcoming year? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to depend on who the quarterback is. And what's cool about Shane Steichen is if you look at his history, both with the Eagles and with the Chargers, you're talking about three very different quarterbacks that he's worked with. Let's throw Justin Herbert out because, you know, I could coach, you and I could coach Justin <laughs> Herbert and be great. Right, right, right. right. But, but I can't think of two more different quarterbacks skill set-wise than 37-year-old Phillip Rivers and 24-year-old Jalen Hurts. And mm-hmm. he got a lot out of both of those guys. Uh, you know, the Chargers offense, the last effective year that Rivers had there in, in 2018, they were very good. Uh, and then, of course, y- you saw what's happened the last few years with the, the growth and, you know, Jalen Hurts becoming a, an MVP candidate under Shane Steichen's tutelage. So I, I think he can make the offense malleable to whoever the quarterback ends up being. And, and that's what's so exciting about this. A lot of times you hire a head coach and you say, okay, this is how it's going to be. Um, I don't know what Shane Steichen's offense is going to be, and, and that opens it up to limitless possibilities. Derek Schultz is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So, okay, the big elephant in the room, the Colts are currently at the number four spot. Are they going to have to trade up to number three or even higher to get the guy that they, they want, or do we not know who the guy that they want is? They've kept it very close to the vest, but if they want Anthony Richardson, I think – you, you go ahead and don't leave it up to chance and, and move up to number three. Because I'm, I'm not really buying, you know this, Q. We're in the silly season right now for the NFL draft. I'm not really buying all this stuff. Well, Carolina's not interested in, in Stroud anymore. And, hey, guess what? Houston's not going to draft the quarter. You know, I, I don't know if I'm buying any of that. I, I'm still approaching the draft board like the Colts are potentially going to have two at least two quarterbacks off the board already 
if they're going for, and I think those two guys off the board are going to be Young and Stroud. So if they really like Richardson, they don't want the Titans or somebody else to trade ahead of them with Arizona, I think you go ahead and do it. It's not going to cost you that much to move up one spot. But that depends on their own evaluations. Um, we've heard some things here that they really like, including you know Jim Ursay, the owner, really likes Will Levis. So if mm. they really like Will Levis, they're probably fine just staying at four. Um, but if Richardson's their guy, I, th- I think you, you can't leave it up to chance any longer with two quarterback-hungry teams at one and two. What is your gut feeling when it comes to Anthony Richardson? Um, my gut feeling is that I think Shane Steichen can be successful with just about anybody. Um, you can tuck me into any of these four quarterbacks, Richardson aside. What, what I lean towards, Q, in this process, I, I lean towards potential. Um, I, if I'm the Colts here, I want to take a swing. I don't want to hit a single. I don't want to hit a double. I want to send it out. And Richardson, really out of all four of these quarterbacks, is probably the best home run potential. Now, that comes with some downside, and we all know about his accuracy issues and all that. There have been a lot of guys that have been great athletes that have wowed at the combine that have, have failed as NFL quarterbacks. But um, to me, if you're going to take a swing, swing big. And, and I think Anthony Richardson's the biggest swing in this entire draft. Derek Schultz is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Necessary rough. This is my man DeMond's got one for you. We have this same problem in Raider Nation, especially us and Raider Nation Radio, where, hey, we, didn't, we weren't making the picks of the past regimes. But do Colts fans seem like this is the draft to rectify the quarterback purgatory that they've been in since Andrew Luck abruptly retired? Yeah, because, you know, DeMond, they've never really went for it. Um, you know, it's, let's take 2019 out because Luck retires in the last preseason game. There was no preparing for that, right? So they, they were stuck with Brissett, and he did a, an admirable job. He's a backup-level quarterback, and you got backup-level results. In 20, they tried to just kind of extend the timetable and buy themselves more time, and Rivers was pretty good in 20. They won 11 games. They were competitive in a playoff loss in Buffalo. Um, really right then is when they should have gone for it. I know hindsight's 20-20 and all of that, but that Justin Fields, Mac Jones group, I think that was the chance for them to, to go for it, and they decided to pass, and they went with Carson Wentz, and they basically flushed their number one pick down the toilet there. And then they got cute again last year, and they, they got scared about getting into the quarterback market, so you bring in Matt Ryan, and you find out he's completely cooked. So I, I think it's more of a, okay, now it's time to just get a young player in here and build it forward instead of keep trying to put Band-Aids over gaping, bleeding wounds. And I think that's not only the approach for the fan base, but for, for, the, for ownership and for Chris Ballard as well. And for ownership, Jim Ursay, you mentioned how he may heavily favor Will Levis. We see that when he heavily favors somebody, he can bring Jeff Saturday off of the ESPN set to be the head coach. So how much of a factor do you think he would play into, hey, I want Levis, we're taking Levis? <laughs> yeah, let's hope that uh, let's hope he delegates a little bit more than he did with that decision. I, I, I hope that that decision humbled him a little bit because that was just, you guys saw it from the outside looking in. I mean, it was mocked everywhere including here, and, you know, as much as we love Jeff Saturday, the player here in Indianapolis, it was, it was an unmitigated disaster. They were the worst team in the NFL by the end of the year. Um, so, yeah, we're trying to repress that memory here in Indianapolis. <laughs> I, I think Ursay, when Ursay in this franchise has been at his best, it's when he has delegated, he's allowed the decision-makers that he trusts to make the decisions, and then, of course, he's the owner. Of course, he has to sign off. But I think he needs to trust the people that he has in charge. He hasn't fired Chris Bauer, guys. You know, after six sure. years, one playoff win, no division titles, he hasn't fired him. So that means he must still trust Chris Ballard. So if you're trusting Chris Ballard to make a head coach hire, then I think certainly you're trusting him to make the quarterback hire as well because it would make no sense to bring him back and then fire him 
after a year. So I, I like to think we're getting back to the old days when it was Bill Pulling and Tony Dungy, you know, that, that group where Ursay just kind of stayed a little bit on the sidelines and only gave his seal of approval on things. Um, hopefully we're heading back there because that's when the Colts were their most successful. Is there any kind of way that you see the Colts not getting a quarterback with their first pick? Yeah, man, look, it, you could talk me to anything. Um, <laughs> it, 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 they, they hired Jeff Saturday for God's sake, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> you could talk me to anything. So I, I'm not, I, I, I've been around this too long, and you guys have been around this too long. You never write anything off. So right. you could talk me into any scenario here, especially with some of the very talented defensive players that are on the board. But I, guys, I just can't imagine that they would leave this quarterback, with this draft class without a a guy that they seriously thought would be QB1. I'm not talking Sam Ellinger, Jacob Easton, a day three pick. I'm, I'm talking one of the top four, or maybe you even trade back and you get Hedman Hooker. You know, that's, I, I can't imagine they're not going to leave with one of those five quarterbacks in this draft class to, to pair with Gardner Minshew, the veteran. Derek Schultz is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So as far as the fan base goes, do they have a leader in the clubhouse, or are they kind of split similar to what Raider Nation is? I think the fans are somewhat split. Um, I, I do think they're probably leaning towards Richardson because, you know, the combine's here. There's a lot of coverage of it, and, yeah. and everybody saw kind of what he could do. And also, he's on the younger side. Um, you know, there are some fans that are in the Hendon Hooker camp, and they're saying to themselves, look, Will Levis is 24, Hooker's 25. What's the difference between the two guys? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say, you know, gun to my head, it's probably 60% Richardson. 30% Levis and then 10% Hooker. That's, that's kind of where it, everyone is under the assumption that Stroud and Young are going to be off the board. So if we take them out of the conversation, that would be my pie chart. How many of the fans kind of go back and look at what happened with the Eagles and Jalen Hurts last year thinking, okay, Richardson could be our Jalen Hurts? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it seems like the most natural fit, right? Where you, you – I think what they did in Philadelphia, which is so smart, they took elite traits like Jalen Hurts could already be mobile and, and do things with his legs. Let's accentuate those traits while teaching everything else and developing everything else. And I think that's what you can do with Richardson. He is already an elite runner and an elite athlete. So maximize those traits while you're teaching everything else. You know, footwork, accuracy, mechanics, all that stuff could be coached. That could be taught. Um, what can't be taught is some of the measurables in the athleticism that he possesses because he, he's truly a special athlete. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be a great quarterback, but it, it, it's hard to not be enticed by the, uh, the, the uh, lump of clay, if you will, that is Anthony Richardson and, and what Shane Steichen could potentially mold that into. You mentioned earlier how you're not buying it where you see the reports that Houston, maybe they don't even want a quarterback at number two. How much of a shock would it be if the Colts passed on a quarterback? If they just, the top four pick, they take a defensive player, someone that's a non-quarterback. How much of a shock would that be? Yeah, it would be a shock because I, 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 maybe you guys have seen one. I, I haven't seen any mocks that have them not taking a quarterback. No. It's, it's led to Richardson and, and just about every single one that I've seen. So um, it'd be stunning. Um, and, and, and I do think, I don't know this, um, but I think that at the end of the offseason, especially with the way that Ryan crashed and burned last year and the embarrassment that that was, I, I, I bet you behind closed doors, Jim Mercer said, look, guys, we're, we're taking somebody and we're going to build this forward. And, and that's kind of been the commentary uh, this offseason when they talked about not getting into the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes is we want a young guy that we can kind of build and mold. So I, I do think even if they pass on somebody, like I said, I think that hooker situation might still be on the table for them, but I'd be really, really surprised. I, I put it, 
you know, 90% plus that they would take a quarterback with that fourth selection if they stay there at four. And no matter who they take, it's going to be someone that they want to build around. But what are the pieces that the Colts have where if you get a young quarterback, I assume he's going to be starting day one, do they have the pieces around to maybe not be a playoff team, but at least set them up for success? Well, this wasn't that long ago, guys. In 2020, they had the most pro bowlers in the league. That's true. Now, the problem is is that your pro bowlers were the long snapper, the center, the right tackle, the left guard. You know what I mean? They Mm -hmm. weren't the running back. They were at non-premium positions. Uh, The Colts have good players. Jonathan Taylor is a good player. Shaquille Leonard is a good player. Quentin Nelson, you know, injuries aside and regression aside, last year is a good player. Those guys don't really play positions that matter, though. You know, the Colts need to be dynamic at pass rush. The Colts need to be dynamic at receiver. The Colts need to be dynamic at corner. And they've been lacking in those areas. So I I do think that there's talent. I don't think this is a great roster. Um, I don't think it's the worst roster in the league or anything close to that, but they have to get better at the positions that matter, and that's been the big bugaboo so far for Chris Ballard in, in, in his career and, and finding, you know, he's, he's been a good draft evaluator and an evaluator of talent is just finding good players at those specific positions. Derek Schultz is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness, just got a couple more questions for you. As far as uh, this draft goes, we, we know, we feel pretty confident that a quarterback will be taken first, but how much of this roster, like you said, some of those skill positions that they need to acquire, how much of that can, can be you know, taken care of and addressed during the draft this uh, upcoming, uh, what, couple weeks from now? Yeah, you know, it sounds like this is a, a great class of corners, uh, particularly when you get out of, the, the first day. Uh, so I, I think you can find some hidden gems there, potentially day two, day three, to fill some of those spots. You know, this is a defense that had – they're losing Bobby Okereke. They're, they're, you know, a key player for them last year at, at linebacker, and you don't know what's going to happen with Shaquille Leonard and his back, if he's ever going to be the same player. But you still have DeForest Buckner at the peak of the prime of his career. Grover Stewart's been one of the best defensive tackles uh, in the league and, and a, the, you know, the most kept secret, I guess, at least in the AFC. So you like what you have with the teeth of that defense. Michael Pittman Jr., I think, has potential. He's in a contract year. You know, there's been some argument here. Is he a one? Is he a two? You know, regardless, he's been a productive player. And then you hope that Jonathan Taylor kind of gets back uh, on it as well at running back. But, yeah, finding more receivers, finding more corners. You know, they have two pass rushers that they've used high draft picks on. Their, their first two picks two years ago in Quinny Pay and Dio Dangbo, who they really like. So it's, it's not that they haven't tried there right. or haven't invested there. It's just it's been hard to get those picks to end up hitting. But I, I think corner is one that really stands out to me in this draft as, as one where the uh, – well, first off, the Colts just need bodies at, at all, but they've got to solve that spot. We had a listener hit us up and ask that we wanted to uh, ask the question to you about Hendon Hooker and where you think that Hendon Hooker gets selected. Like, do you think he's a first round guy? Obviously, he's coming off the torn ACL there at Tennessee. But how far do you think or how long do you think Hendon Hooker's on the board? Yeah, I think you're going to get into the, the late 20s and teams are going to be ringing off the hook to see if they can get up there and get them. That, that's what I think. Because um, generally speaking, if, if the knee injury hadn't happened, that's probably where he would be, even as an older prospect at 25. Um, I think the issue for him is, and, and there are issues for all four, the four quarterbacks in front of him too, you know, that offense at Tennessee translating to the NFL, there are a lot of things that he probably won't be able to carry with him. But he's still a good athlete, and you saw what he did against SEC defenses. I, I think there's some reason for optimism there for Hooker, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those situations where he's mocked as like a, a, a early day two pick and somebody ends up sneaking up and grabbing him at the very end of day one. 
in less than two weeks, you're going to have one of the biggest days of the year. And I'm not talking about the NFL draft. I'm talking about the Purdue Day of Giving. What is that all about at Purdue? Because it seems like a day where the university says, aren't you guys so excited to give us money? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Um, Notre Dame has Notre Dame Day. I'm trying to think of what IU, Indiana Universities is called. Um, They all do this, right? They all do the the fundraising. And I appreciate you mentioning that's my my day job, I guess, with Purdue. Um, Yes, it's a wonderful university with many, many talented professors and terrific students and graduates and we're down, darn proud, boiler up, so if you would like to write a check, go ahead and do so. Um, but we're, we're not going to hold anybody's feet to the fire demand or anything like that. Um, you know, we're, we're in Indiana here. We're, we're kind Midwestern folk. There you go. There you go. And, and it's a great place for the combine, as it's there every single year. Derek, great stuff, man. ISC, ISC Sportsnet, uh, what are you working on? What you got coming out as uh, we're two weeks away from the NFL draft? So more cold stuff. I also uh, contribute to the uh, Indianapolis Business Journal with their sports coverage. So I'll be writing a column of whoever the pick ends up being. And then um, I appreciate you mentioning Cube, uh, Jay Corey, my old radio partner, and I still go once a week with our podcast, Corey and Schultz on IC Sportsnet. And obviously, we're talking a lot of Colts. But appreciate you fellas having me on the show. I appreciate you, my man. Be well. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. All right, there he goes. Derek Schultz, that's my guy. Real good dude right there. You can find him on Twitter at Schultz975. That 975 is the old radio station that he used to work at. But real good dude, Derek Schultz, ISC Sportsnet, with us here talking all things Colts. And uh, it's, it's, it's so funny, man, that there's really no consensus on who that quarterback's going to be that they take there at number four or trade up to number three. And I would not be shocked at all if they trade up to number three. I just keep looking at I just keep you looking at that Tennessee Titans as sitting there at number 11. I think that they're a dark horse for that number three spot as well. I think there'll be a little competition. It really depends on what the Arizona Cardinals want. Do they want to drop all the way down to 11, pick up all that extra draft capital, or do they only want to drop down one spot, pick up a little draft capital, and still get the player that they really, really want? That's going to be the big question. But I, I, I promise you I feel like Tennessee is looking at that number three spot. Because it's about keeping up with the Joneses, especially in the AFC South. You see the Jaguars, they got Trevor Lawrence. If you're the Titans and you know that Indianapolis is going to pick a quarterback at four or move up to three, you don't want to be the team that's sitting out in the cold when it comes to who's going to have that quarterback of the future. Everybody's got one except us. Right. No, you're right. I mean, and everyone's got to have one. That's the thing about it. And then when it comes to Hendon Hooker, you heard what he said, man. It's, it's not the ACL that he's worried about. It's not the age he's worried about. It's the offense. Same thing I've been saying for the longest. That offense, it hardly ever translates in the NFL. 318 is the time. We'll come back, get to your calls and texts. And, oh, by the way, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, she'll join us at 330 by way of phone. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Our good friend Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, will join us at 330. We want to hear from you, though, 702-365-9200. Our don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187, keyword r Many thanks to Derek Schultz who joined us in the last segment to talk all things Indianapolis. Colts still on the way as well as Paloma at 3.30. Uh, Tomer Azali, uh, he'll join us at 4 o'clock talking about the Clippers and the Sun Series. And then Vinny Bonsignor at 4.30 talking all things silver and black. But the question that we threw out there to you, uh, obviously you don't know the what the, the draft is going to hold. You know what the players will be after the draft. So we want to really know. What will, it make, what will make you feel like this draft was a success? What do the Raiders need to come away with that will make you feel like, okay, this past draft was a success. Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, Josh McDaniels, the company, all know what they're doing. Uh, that was a really good start to building this team up. That's what we're looking for, 69187, keyword r got some really good texts as well. We're going to get to right now from the 239. The key to success is to raise the floor of this team. 
Solid players that don't drag the team down or cause a massive hole in a year or two. With the seventh pick, I'm down to go for the high risk, high reward. But with 12 picks, we should be able to have depth and solid contributors throughout the whole team. And that kind of goes back to what Mailman Raider said early in the show. Like five to six guys that are contributing. Right? They don't have to be stars, especially right away. But contributing. Getting a pick here. Getting a couple sacks here. Making sure that they can go in and fill a void if a guy goes down. I mean, not just role players. You want guys that are kind of in between role players and stars, right? You want some solid contributors. I like that, though. Raise the floor of the team. That's another good good one to put on the board. Raise the floor of the team. That goes with production and toughness. Production, toughness, raise the floor of the team. I like that one. Also, got this one from T. Sal from Seattle. I think we need to get three starters on defense, maybe a bonus starting guard. Would love to see us get two defenders in the first round. If Carter's visit went well this week and he falls to seven, I take him there and trade back up into the first, get Joey Porter Jr. mid to late first. Then draft a young linebacker and a guard with our two premium picks. That's from T-Sal in Seattle. I think Joey Porter goes around 14-ish, right, in that area, like anywhere from 13 to maybe 17. So if you're going to trade back into the first round, you're going to have to move up quite quite a bit to get Joey Porter Jr., I think a guy like the the guy that I'm a big fan of, Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State, he'll probably go around 25 or 26. That might be more realistic. That range, maybe even a little bit lower, that still might be a little too high. You might have to wait till 28, 29 because the Raiders are coming up from, what, 38? So that's that's still a, a, a pretty good hefty little jump. So you might have to wait till it gets a little closer to the back end of round one as opposed to, like I said, the 17 or 18 range with Joey Porter Jr. and even the 25, 26 when it comes to Emmanuel Forbes. But thank you so much, T-Sal, for that text. I appreciate that. Uh, Let's see, what else? Oh, how about this one? This is a good one from uh, Mailman Raider. He's been very active on the text line today. Do appreciate him. Q, Damon, would y'all consider getting one transcendent Hall of Famer Lawrence Taylor-type player, but the rest of the draft was a bust, a successful draft? And, Damon, I'll pass the sticks to you, and I'll ask you. You get one Hall of Famer, like say your first-round pick or maybe, I don't know, just one of your picks. Got 12 of them. Let's just go ahead and make it first round. Okay. Your first-round pick, whoever it is, ends up becoming a Hall of Famer, but the rest of the draft are bust. Is that a successful draft? To me, yes. And it's depending. We said in transcendent. We're talking Lawrence Taylor. We're talking top five all time. If you're telling me you can get a top ten player in NFL history, where well, whatever he's doing, he is dominant. Come, on, I mean, that for me, if it, let's say if it's quarterback – you tell me you don't want a top five quarterback that's not going to raise the floor of this team. You have a shutdown corner. He's taking away that entire side of the field. We're not saying a guy that's just he's OK. Let's say Aaron Donald. I don't know who, who, who else the Rams drafted in the Aaron Donald draft. We can look it up. Maybe you could say, oh, well, that guy contributed. That guy contributed. By the time they were Super Bowl contenders, I'm sure those guys that were on that draft, even if they were fair players, they didn't contribute the way Aaron Donald did. Well, no, I mean, they didn't contribute the way he did. I just think, and I understand what you're saying, and it's hard if you're talking about a Hall of Famer because it's at the end of the day it's a Hall of Famer, <laughs> right? And <laughs> those guys, they're very few and far in between, right? I mean, we, we talk to Hall of Fame each and every year, and we know how, how, you know, how, how limited the, the number of, of people in the Hall of Fame even are. So I get that. But, man, if the rest, if, if you're looking at the, the Raiders and they have 12 picks and they come away with one Hall of Famer, that's, I mean... I hate to say no, that's, that's not a good draft because it's a Hall of Famer, but you need more production than one guy. I think that's the, that's the biggest point. You need more than one guy. Uh, let me see. Kind of going back through the history. Oh, this is a weird history. I guess I selected the wrong one. I was trying to go back to the history of the 
the Rams draft to see who was, else was in the, the class with Aaron Donald. Oh, I got it right here. Oh, okay, go They had it. the number two pick. Yeah, I know. They had two first Greg Robinson. Picks. Yeah, he, he was wasn't there. He was a bust. LaMarcus Joyner had a good career, but, you know, nothing special. He was okay. Trey Mason, Maurice Alexander, EJ Gaines, Garrett Gilbert. EJ Gaines was okay. Mitchell Van Dyke never played in the league. C.B. Bryant, nothing special, a cup of coffee. Michael Sam, never made it. And Demetrius Rainey never made it. So I know that, that that's the ultimate long-term game. You got to play the long game of, hey, if you want that. But that's what I'm saying. Where the drafts are crapshoot, where even the guys were LaMarcus Joyner, a solid, I mean, nine-year career. Yeah, you, but you can't been, sneeze at that. How but many I'm, teams have you been on now? Yeah, but I'm just saying yeah, you can't yeah. sneeze at that. That's no, a guy who still lasted. Yeah, that's true. But if you're telling me, even if he made one Pro Bowl, that's still give me the Aaron Donald and the rest of those guys can go by the wayside. But see, the, maybe maybe for some teams that works, but for the Raiders, they just need more more production. They can't have just one guy. They, they can't have one guy like Max Crosby dominate the draft and then the rest of the draft suck. They just can't. Or Where this or, team's at now? Yes. You don't think that that raises the floor? It'll raise I mean, it, from day one. It'll raise it a little bit, but it's not going to raise it enough. They need more than that. They, they have 12 picks. they got to have way more production than just one dude. They've got one dude right now. They've got to get at least – They've got to get multiples, man. And they might not be all Hall of Famers, right? I mean, because that's, like I said, that's a hefty ask. But if you can give me three solid guys, I'll take that. Yeah, I would love one Hall of Famer. I'll take three solid contributors that are going to be there game in and game out that I can say, hey, that's a really good player. That's a really good player. Like I can look at, you know, a Max and who else was in that draft class? Hunter. That's a good, you know what I mean? That, those are two good players right there. Who else was in that class with, uh, with Max? 2019, Josh Jacobs, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's good right there. Those, those three guys are right there. If I can get a, a trio, give me a trio. Don't give me just one. But though. two of those guys are all pro players. Right? But those are still like very those – are, those are more – Max and Josh are more than just solid guys. No, I know. Exactly. That's what, well, that's what I'm saying. I need to get more production. I can't just have one dude. I got to have a couple dudes. And look, Josh is still trying to get a contract, right? So, I mean, there's that. Hunter already got a contract. Let's put it like this. I need a couple guys that you feel comfortable that you're going to give a second contract to. How about that? How about that? Oh, I'm hey, I like what you're saying, but for me when it comes to that, you can't just build it on one dude. I mean, now I get I it. Think, but but the this is also is the coaching. Though. The team is also the coaching also has to raise the floor whereas hey, this is year 2 now. Now you do need those guys, the Nate Hobbs, the Trayvon Morris. Right. You those guys they have to step no, up. Right. It can't just be that hey, these rookies that are no, you guys right. can stay stagnant, but now we have to rely on all the, these guys that are still on the team, you still got to produce. Absolutely. But you can't go into a draft with 12 picks and only come away with one dude. Right? I mean, that's the thing. You have to come away gold more. Gold jacket, Q. When we had the Super Bowl, how much no, you about talking to No, I understand. I mean, like I said, on. the gold jackets are different. But one dude is not going to turn the fortune around of this team. That's what I'm saying. Now, the quarterback position, maybe it's a different conversation because that's the most important position in football, right? So if you're getting, you know, a, a, a great quarterback that you'll never, ever see again, like a quarterback that'll never be on that level again, you just got to have more production, though. They need production. At the end of the day. Get those guys and get those solid guys in the 2024 draft. <laughs> <laughs> 331's the time. Paloma Villacana joins us next. It's Red Nation Radio 920. The approach for us, we've got four weeks, a four-week cycle in the weight room. And the development that we need for our team to get ready to attack the summer, the month of April and May are going to be so important to get ready uh, to go attack June. And then once the calendar hits June, I mean, we're almost uh, game one to be here before we know it. It's time to talk all things UNLV with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5.
And Paloma Villacana joins us in studio. Oh, oh, wait. No, she's not in studio. She's on the phone lines, though. She does join us from Fox 5 Sports. We definitely appreciate Paloma. And uh, we thought Paloma was going to join us in studio, and we rolled out the red carpet. We had our video cameras in here. We've got all the lights, camera action. We're setting it up for you, Paloma. And then all of a sudden we get the text. Oh, I'm going to hang out with the family, man, but y'all can give me a call. (laughs) It's a beautiful day, you know. i got to take advantage of being off work and enjoying some family time. Um, But, you know. I gotta give y'all love too. Cute, this week, <laughs> but I appreciate I appreciate y'all always having me on. No doubt, no doubt. And uh, speaking of uh, what looked to be a really fun event, you were at an event last night. You, I saw it on Twitter. Viva Las Vegas! A wonderful <laughs> night hosting the National Pal Gala at the South yeah. Point. Tell us about that. What was all that about? You looked like you were all yeah, fancy. I mean, yeah, it was awesome. Um, you know, some off season, you know, fun for me. Getting to know more people and getting to connect with our community. Um, it was just a bunch of um, policemen that are, you know, in law enforcement and everything um, from all over the country here in Vegas training, um, training here in Vegas at South Point Casino. So they had a long week of, of training here in Las Vegas, and they asked me to come out and host their gala. And um, I was I was there with uh, Nikki Fargus, the okay. team president. Um, and we were just there, you know, just um, connecting with, you know, different people from all over the country and kind of just talking about how important it is to serve the community, to be a part of the community, um, to connect with, with local uh, kids and, and schools and, um, you know, just be, be present and be active in the community. So um, I had a lot of fun. It was, it was a great night. Um, I need to go out to South Point more. I mean, <laughs> South Point is great. Um, I need to get down there more, but it was a great night overall. There you go. There you go. Well, if you check out Paloma on Twitter, it's at Paloma Fox 5 News. She tweeted out a picture. She's in front of the <laughs> Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas yeah. little a little sign and some uh, some cards behind her and everything. And you were fancy, man. You were all dressed up. That must have took you a few hours to do. <laughs> yeah, basically. woke up and started my day just getting ready. So right. It was a fun day. Fun day. I bet. I bet. I'm not mad at you. Well, that that, that must have been a lot of fun. <laughs> so uh, we're glad that you were able to do that again. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, joins us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. So you heard Coach Odom coming in, talking about the team mm-hmm. as he's putting it together. They had their, their day at Allegiant Stadium last Saturday. What was your overall feeling? How do, they, uh, how do you think that they came out of that? And, and what are your kind of thoughts on the upcoming team as they're starting to put it together? Yeah, there's so many new faces on both sides of the ball. And, you know, with a brand-new head coach, a brand-new coaching staff, um, I really wanted to see, you know, what, what these guys looked like in live action, a scrimmage, you know, all four quarters. Uh, it was a shortened scrimmage, you know, only about like an hour, hour and a half long. But um, it was great to see just new guys out there in action. They've got some new receivers. Um, they got some new guys on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, all around. So what I took away was the defense was playing lights out. Um, you know, get ready for Barry Odom's uh, defensive, you know, edge he brings to the game. Um, he brought over the D.C. His D.C. is from Arkansas, former linebacker coach at Arkansas. Um, so I just wanted to see how these guys look now that they've had to pick up, you know, a brand-new offense, a brand-new defense. Um, but defense played lights out. I think they came away with five picks at the end of the day. So defense played lights out. The DBs. DBs were killing it. Um, the quarterbacks, you know, the quarterbacks, you know, they were, they were doing good, too, through a few picks. But um, <clears throat> Harrison Bailey really shined. Um, Harrison Bailey, the, the transfer from Tennessee, um, he was the best quarterback on Saturday in the spring game, which was kind of surprising. I think Doug Brumfield threw 
uh, two picks, I think, on, on Saturday. So um, there's definitely still a, a little bit of a quarterback uh, battle going on. I know throughout spring camp, um, you know, Doug Brumfield was rolling with the ones, but I saw Harrison Bailey and, and Cam Friel um, and, and Jaden Maeva also out there too. So um, could it be Doug Brumfield? Could we see Harrison Bailey getting more snaps? It just depends on, on who's doing well in, in fall camp. But Harrison Bailey, great to see him have a good Saturday. And um, I had Jacob De Jesus in studio with me this week, um, a transfer from, from a junior college up in Northern California. He played lights out. Um, number 27, he was all over the football field all spring camp. So, um, you know, Ricky White, Seneca McKee, Jacob De Jesus, Jeff Weimer, they've got a lot of great receivers um, on the roster. So we're seeing more depth on, on the offensive side of the ball and, and seeing a little bit more depth on the defense side of the ball. But, um, you know, I want to see them in live action against Michigan or a Mountain yeah. West opponent come this fall. Right, no doubt about it again. Paloma Villacana is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. You spoke to it a little bit there, but I was watching some clips of Coach Odom before the scrimmage and he says, I want to establish the run, but I also want to stop the run. I want the offense to go out there and <laughs> score 100 points, but I also mm-hmm. want the defense to stop them. He said it's hard to judge it when it's your team against that scrimmage, but how much more improved, I know it's not live action, did that mm-hmm. defense just look in this scrimmage under Coach Odom? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just playing faster and more physical. Um, definitely is, is what I'm saying. The guy's just flying around. I mean, um, number 16, he's a, a DB from from Canada. Uh, I think his name is Jet Elad, number 16. He came away with two picks uh, on Saturday, and he had a strong game. So um, I'm just saying the, the defense play more aggressive um, and, and play fast. And I think we're going to see a, a different type of defense from UNLV this year. Barry Odom coming from the SEC, former D.C. at Arkansas. You know, he brought over, um, you know, coaches from LSU, coaches from Arkansas, um, you know, different SEC coaches. So, um, you know, I think that's, that, that can only help UNLV win more games is just playing more physical and, and having that SEC coaching can only help them uh, when the season begins. And we know with Coach Odom, being involved in the community has big, been one of his biggest selling points mm-hmm. as he's taken that job of head coach. What was the turnout like? How long did the players stay after to you know interact with fans on Saturday? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that Barry Odom has kids who are going to school here in Las Vegas. He has a young daughter, and he has two boys. Um, that One of them is, is graduating from high school, but he has another son that's playing at Faith Lutheran um, so, you know, he has kids here in Las Vegas and, you know, he's a part of this community. Um, he cares about this community, you know, right when he got here in Las Vegas, he was out at every high school, his coaching staff was out at every high school meeting, every coach, um, you know, he's planning to have a, a dinner coming up soon for, for the community to come out to. So, um, you know, he, he just definitely cares, cares about the community and, um, to have the autograph session, um, that was the first time I've seen, you know, the the community being able to come down onto the field at Allegiant Stadium uh, for an autograph session with the team. So that was really, really cool. And then he invited over 100 UNLV football alumni to, to the spring game. So um, he just makes you feel, you know, important and, and valued. And he makes you feel like, you know, you want to be interested and invested in UNLV football and and come out to the game. So I think that's huge. How, how huge is it that, you know, you mentioned the coaches are in the community, they're all, they were out at all the schools, getting familiar with the high school coaches, something that we know the last staff wasn't really real high on, but mm-hmm. Coach Odom has made it a priority to do that. 
Yeah, and that was his number one thing when he said in his his formal press conference, his introductory press conference, I should say, um, was that his number one goal is to make UNLV Vegas' team. Um, and he only raved about playing in Allegiant Stadium and, and having that be a an advantage, um, a home field advantage for them. Um, so the number one thing he said is, is being in the community, connecting with the community, having the community come out to, you know, everything UNLV football. So um, I'm excited to see him bring more fans into Allegiant Stadium, but also uh, he just shows, he's just showing Las Vegas that, you know, he really cares about this city um, and he really cares about this program and, and he wants to, you know, win more games at UNLV and bring a championship to UNLV. Now I want to switch things over to the Aces. You guys were at the Aces draft watch party when a team, when you're the defending champs and you don't even have a first-round pick, how much excitement is there around the draft party when the biggest addition in the offseason is adding one of the GOATs, Candace Parker? How much excitement was yeah. there for the draft for the Aces? So their draft party opens up at 4 p.m., and we were kind of out there a little bit earlier at like 3.30 um, over at Mandalay Bay at the Slice of Vegas. There was a line snaking around the restaurant, going, like, into the casino. I was like, wow, this is crazy. I mean, it's it's just awesome to see the support for the Aces this season. Um, You know, any Aces interview I've done, a lot of people are are really excited to to watch and and see. And um, there wasn't an open seat in that restaurant. And and like you said, you know, the 36th pick, they had the last pick in in the draft. You know, it wasn't even going to be on the broadcast, but... Um, there was not an open seat. It was a standing room only at their draft party. So um, I'm excited to see McLobe Ultra Arena sell out this season. And then, yeah, you've got Candace Parker, Alicia Clark. You've got Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum. Um, you know, it's just a loaded roster. So a lot of excitement. I know their season's tipping off May 20th. Their first home game is May 27th. Um, and training camp is coming up on April 30th. So um, a lot of, and you know, it's, you know, what's great is that I'm out in the community and people will come up to me and say, Hey, when does the Aces season start <laughs> soon? Right. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know, that's awesome to see that. Yeah, no, it really is. And, and how does the defending champions start the uh, season on the road? Yeah. I don't know who, who scheduled it like that, but, um, they should have been at home. Right. The ring ceremony and, and the banner reveal, um, I believe that's, that's all happening their first home game on May 27th. So I don't know how they open up on the road, but, um, you know, I hope everyone packs Michelob Ultra Arena. And I hope I just hope it's a sellout game because the the, the playoffs, the, the end of their season, it was a bunch of sellout games, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it really was. And I do think with the addition of Candace Parker as the monset, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's a game changer. I mean, they already yeah. have such great players, but then you add one of the best of all time in Candace Parker. Then you're <laughs> yeah. really, you're going for it. You're telling everyone we're trying to go back to back. So excited about yep. that. Paloma, yep. what are you working on that uh, we should be on the lookout for? Reb Zone, what you got coming up? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a break um, before the Aces training camp uh, starts up in April 30th. So I'm going to go home again and kind of just hang out with the family. Um, and then when the Aces training camp opens up, I'd like to go out there and check out the new facility right next to the Raiders headquarters. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I get back uh, in a week or so, kind of be hitting the ground running with the Aces. But um, I'm keeping my eye on these uh, Golden Knights, see yeah. what they do this postseason. Yep. Um, and yeah, just super pumped. I I'm happy it's the off season a little bit, so I can get a little a little break. But 
Um, no, super pumped for the Aces season to yeah. start soon. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll just tell you that after the show, myself and Demond, we're going to go out to the mall. We're going to go to the, like the tuck store. We're going to get fitted up, man. We're going to we're going to look the part. So next next time there's a gala out, we can go too and be me and Demond can hang out. We go in and be like, "What up, though?" Too funny. Too funny. <laughs> yeah, Y'all are buddy. Too much. Hey, you know how too we much. roll. You know how we roll. Well, Paloma, <laughs> enjoy the sun. Enjoy your afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. Keep up the good work. We'll talk soon. Appreciate you, Q. Bye. See ya. There she goes. Paloma Villacana. I mean, we can get, I mean, me and you can get dressed up, right? We can go, we can go get fitted. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd have to be in the kids section, but I mean, you know. You know what? This is the problem you know about funny? this size. No, you know what's funny? <laughs> what's that? You know what's funny is, and, okay. and nobody saw you yesterday, but you came in and even Craig and promotions got on your helmet about what you were wearing. DeMond had this shirt on that was so tight. First, Jared got on him. Uh-huh. Like, I was the last guy to even get in on it. Usually, I'm the first guy. No, he wasn't. Jerry said, Jared, Jared said, can that shirt even close? And DeMond said, yes. And so, Jared said, all right, we'll button it. He goes, no, nah, I don't want to. Because he couldn't. It, would, it was going to rip. It was so small. <laughs> and then I started laughing about it. And Craig and Promotion said, because uh, DeMond started explaining the, the shirt. Because I thought it was... Uh, what I think it was, uh, um, I thought it was the, he was Mexican, like, is that the flag. Mexican flag. I thought it was the Mexican flag at first, and then you had to explain to me that it wasn't, and that it was really when you went to Miami, there was a shirt that you bought to go to Miami. And so Craig said, did they not have it in, in, in adult size? <laughs> All right, guys, so let me tell you something. There was a tweet a couple of while, a while back, a couple weeks ago on Twitter, and it was like, oh, man, it was someone like, oh, why aren't men built like this? Why aren't you wearing outfits like this? And then someone said, the clothes wouldn't fit right. And that guy was right. Once you get to be brolic like this, when you're built on brolic, <laughs> when you're on another level, guys, clothes just don't fit the same. You're not, okay? you are on a different level. You're yes. right. It's not a very big level, so but you're guys, on a different level. Once, I'm not John Cena. I can't or the Rock. I can't go get everything tailored. All right. Sometimes I just got to get it off the rack. Yeah, and that's how it comes. But you got it off the rack in the kids' department. Man, that was a large brother. A large, yeah, a, a large, a large for a little brother. Yo, I'm moving up to the. XLs and see that's the problem with being short, you know, because then it hangs a little bit, you know, and that's another problem. There. Man, my son wears clothes that are bigger than yours, and he don't wear nothing big. He's Everything, lanky. I know exactly, and, and and the clothes that you wear are even tighter than his. Yo, see that's that's the thing. No, your son, he's what six four, six five. Yeah, he puts on that large, and it's like, yo, that's a nice looking, you know, that's a nice shirt. I put on that large, and I'm ripping at the seams. Q, I can't help it. But you're wearing a kid's shirt. I'm t- You're get- not even picking it out of the men's aisle. Q, man, you should see me. You, so many shirts that I've had to throw away, in, you know, over the years. But they're kids. The they're mass youth. Stop wearing amassing. youth. Stop wearing youth shirts. You know what, Q? You sound like a hater right now, bro, because t- I got the game. You're a grown man. You can't I, be shopping in the youth a department. grown man plus 200 pounds over here, Q. But you're shopping in the youth. You haven't even acknowledged that part of this. It's not the youth. I'm telling you, y'all don't want to believe that these larges be fitting like that. From the men's section, the adults. This is the first time you said anything about that adult section. Man, I might have to start shopping at DXL, one of them <laughs> shops that's just for big men. <laughs> They would laugh you right out the building. Shopping in the big and tall shops. They'd say, where's your daddy at? Is that who you, you, you're buying a daddy's gift? Father's Day around the corner? 348 is the time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. Join us in the last segment. Coming up, kickoff hour number three, Tomara Zarley, Clippers beat writer. Going to talk all things Clippers and Sons. As the playoffs get started this upcoming weekend, there's game eights or, or play play-in tournament games today for seed eight. We'll see how that shakes out. But 
the real playoffs start this upcoming weekend. So we'll talk to Tomer coming up at the top of the hour. What you got for me? All right, I just wanted to put a bow on that last segment there, the way we finished off. I got the Irish flag shirt, and I was going to get a University of Miami You're still hat on that before we went to Miami because I know how to coordinate colors. That's all because I'm a man of style. I'm living okay, in your back head to you. free. <laughs> I'm living in your head rent free. Got a text from a hardcore Raider. I'm oh my god, I'm dying. That was an awesome segment. I once bought a kid's shirt that was way too tight, but it was for an '80s Halloween party. <laughs> I'm telling you, the way, I mean, when when Craig in promotions got him, that's when I knew it was a wrap. He said they didn't they didn't sell them in adult sizes. That was hilarious. That was some good stuff. But uh, let's go out to the phone lines. Let's go out to Denver and talk to our good friend Raider Dave in Denver. Welcome to the show. Hey, man, you know, none of us are perfect. He's got clothes woes like you got travel woes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. My <laughs> travel woes are terrible. And, and if he was if he was well-cultured, he'd just tell you he's rocking it like rerun on what's happening. You understand that? <laughs> he's too young right? for that. He don't know about that. He's Googling who rerun yeah. is right now. See, see, exactly. See, that's the thing, man. That's one of those jokes that only you and I get. Yep. Hey, man, I really got to wonder – where the offensive tackle sits that the Raiders could pick up, even mm. if they traded back and got another pick in the third or something like that, if they get two good starters on on defense, mm-hmm. does that open the door enough to go ahead and, and I don't want to use the word reach, but at least go get a tackle out of a grab bag? Do you think there's anything like that, or is this more valued linebackers in that part of the draft that they really have to do that? Great, Great call, great question. I'll say this, man. I just think that Honestly, I think that the tackle might be off the the board when it comes to number seven. But honestly, that's it, right? I mean, like Darnell Wright, for example, is a right tackle out of Tennessee. I think he could be fantastic. Now, I've seen him mocked in the top ten. Mel Kuyper Jr.'s last uh, mock draft, he had him in the top ten, which was actually a, a real surprise to me to see him that high. But I wouldn't be shocked if a guy like that or another offensive tackle that is considered to be, especially a, a guy who's a specific right tackle, I wouldn't be shocked if the Raiders went and made a move for him like in round two or with their second pick. I wouldn't be shocked at all because, look, this is what we know, and we'll talk to Vinny Bonsignor coming up at 4.30. What we know is the Raiders need defensive help at all levels. But I also can acknowledge the fact that they need a tight end in a very deep tight end class, and they do need a tackle, you know, and maybe even a guard, right? I mean, I don't think the offensive line is a, is a, a, a perfect unit at this point. I know someone's going to call in and say, yeah, but Josh Jacobs just led the league in rushing. Yeah, Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. He did. But it could be better. It could be cleaner. You could still upgrade that offensive line. You can get a solid tackle. I know Jermaine Illuminor is very confident that him and Miller are going to be the best uh, you know, tackle duos in the league. But you know what? I don't want to take that to chance. I'd like to see some competition. I'd like to see someone drafted specifically for that right tackle position. That has been the biggest turnstile forever. For the longest. I mean, I remember, what, Khalif Barnes? Remember Khalif Barnes? He was the gift that kept on giving. Like, every year I thought Khalif Barnes was gone. He just came on back. <laughs> right? It's like, the, it's like when you feed a dog or feed, like, a cat at your house. We'd never do that in my house because cats aren't allowed. But if you, you know, you feed that stray animal and they keep popping up back at your house, that was Khalif Barnes. And he gave, he, he gave a hell of an effort. Don't get me wrong. But you always knew that they needed to upgrade that position. And it just went from... Right tackle to right tackle to right tackle. It was never solidified. So I, I definitely think that at some point, maybe with that second pick, maybe the third pick, but they got five picks right now in the top 109. I wouldn't be shocked before that, that 109th pick happens. 
there's an offensive lineman added to the mix. 3.55 is the time when we come back. We'll kick off hour number three of the show, talk a little Clippers and Suns. Tomer Azarly, he'll join us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.